I'm Jeff Allen Gear. And this is Darren Gear. You're listening to the Horror Squad podcast. Welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, episode number 253. Tonight we're talking about Ty West Pearl, which is currently streaming right on Blu ray. I'm one of your co host Todd. We have Joe and Steve. Boys, welcome back. It's been a while since we've had all of us, and I think we have an interview, right? Indeed, we do. And it feels great to be back. I'm sorry I missed last episode. I really wanted to talk Freddy's Dead, um, being probably the biggest Freddy head on the show, but you know dealing with some sickness i think everyone has been so i think everyone's back to normal now so very exciting uh but yeah interview wise tonight uh we had the opportunity to sit down and interview uh the gear brothers uh darren and jeff allen gear whose new movie the retaliators is now available uh on vod i am going to be talking about talking about it on what watched later so stay tuned it was a great interview those uh those guys were awesome definitely one of my favorites of the year honestly because we talked like a lot of interesting stuff we even talked hocus pocus fucking we cannot get away from the hocus pocus thing since our event in october but yeah interestingly enough this will be a little tease for the interview but I was going through one of the brothers, uh, the Gear Brothers IMDb's, and he was an extra in the original Hocus Pocus. So we discussed that. So al- amongst other things, uh, but they had a super fascinating story, which I'll talk a little bit about on what washed as well. But uh, stick around for it. What were your uh, your quick two cents on Freddy's Dead? <laughs> Freddy's Dead, uh, the final nightmare. Yeah. Or is it? I mean, it kind of was, right? Because it really was the last Freddy movie, like real Robert England Freddy movie. Because I, you know, Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah, but that was like its own thing. It wasn't really a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, you know. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I didn't rewatch it for, um, you know, obviously the episode because I was out. But based on just pure memory... Um, probably one of the worst in the entire franchise. So I, I mean, I did listen to the episode, so I was totally in agreement with both, uh, both of you guys. I think it's, and honestly, I thought the most interesting thing you guys brought up was, is it the worst, like, uh, franchise movie, like of the main, you know, of the, you know, Halloween's and the Texas chainsaws and, uh, Friday 13th and stuff. And it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there as one of the worst for sure. Especially because, like, how can it not be, right? Because, like, we just reviewed Halloween Ends, and we, like, completely shit on that movie. And that was the final segment of that, you know, quote-unquote trilogy. And this was supposed to be the final Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and it kind of was. And just to go out that way is just so bad. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's it was just so terrible. Like, it was Freddy at his absolute worst. I mean, they really went off. Freddy really went off the rails in this one. It was him at his absolute jokiest and goofiest, which, you know, I understand like Freddy is jokey and goofy, but they went way beyond what he should have been in this movie. And yeah, just a super disappointing end to uh, that Elm Street legacy with this movie. So yeah, it, it definitely one. Of, I have it ranked as the second worst in the franchise only behind i i want to say i can't remember what i have as my worst it might be part two honestly because i'm a part two hater yeah you Um, are you hate part two (laughs) yeah i am Uh, but let me mainly because they just broke the rules of freddy Mm -hmm. in that one and then they never went back 
to breaking those rules again. So I think they even realized they kind of messed up with that one. But uh, let me see. Hold on. Let me pull it up real quick. My thing. Actually, I'm sorry. Two. I actually have two uh, ahead of Freddy's Dead. Uh, the only so the uh, the only one I have worse is Part Five, The Dream Child, which I absolutely despise that one. So yeah, amongst the worst in the franchise for sure. So t- in total agreement with you guys. Yeah, I, I mean Five is not great either for sure. But at least it's somewhat of a, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like, there was an attempt made to make, to add to the lore and stuff. Whereas Freddy's Dead is just a, such a fucking mess of a film. So, yeah, we'll have to review it one day, too. And a New Nightmare, too, because that's a... Yeah, New Nightmare, definitely. polarizing, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be my birthday pick, honestly. So maybe we'll be reviewing it sooner than you think. But uh, I'm excited to revisit that one because it's been, I remember loving it, but it's been probably a decade since I've actually sat down and like watched the thing in its entirety. So I'm excited to revisit it. And we got the the new fan-made film that just got announced that's going to be coming out based off of the new Nightmare with, of course, Dylan, uh, Miko Hughes' character, like grown up now and like his nightmares. I don't, I didn't read too much into it, but Todd, I you were just talking, you said you backed it. Yeah, I backed it. And it's uh, actually been in production for three years. It's a short film, but it was shelved due to COVID because they filmed in Canada, I believe. And then, you know, the back and forth stuff with all the cast and how they cancel travel, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was Dylan's New Nightmare and it's starring Miko Hughes reprising his role from New Nightmare. So I'm excited, man. Like these fan films, especially like uh, Friday the 13th and stuff like that, they're like, you can tell the filmmakers love the stories. And I wish they had, I wish they like, uh, you know, Blumhouse would give them a shot, these guys that you know truly like you know horror filmmakers and horror lovers and just give them money you know let them run wild because behind the scenes footage looks great um they got that new night uh new friday 13th coming out uh, that looks fucking great so yeah i'm hoping with the, i'm sure you talk about in the news but with the blumhouse merger thing that they give these guys some shots like give them five million let them do their thing yeah definitely let's hope so uh and one last thing before we get into news i'd like to give a quick shout out to salem paracon they gave me a free tickets to attend their convention uh last weekend maybe or two weekends ago now but yeah basically it was a paranormal slash horror convention uh very small it was at a um local college uh salem state university (laughs) yeah right that's well that's where this is going the main reason, you know, once I got the passes, I was like, you know, I was like debating if I even wanted to go. And I saw that how have Havens, of course, Stooge from Night of the Demons was going to be there. I was like, oh, I got to go and meet him because I've never had the opportunity. And uh, he was awesome. You know, like I said, a very small con, not a lot of people. It was at the college gymnasium in the basketball court. So it kind of like reminded me of like cons before they were ever popular. You know, it was like back to the back to the beginning, back to the basics. Um, so it was kind of cool. I actually met a fellow podcast there, um, the Ain't It Scary podcast. Very cool, very nice people. They do um, sort of a paranormal slash like cryptozoology type stuff where the husband is a like non-believer and his wife is and they kind of like go back and forth so check them out if that is something very very cool very nice people but hal havens was amazing very nice guy super cool we chatted about um honestly we chatted about uh the, the makeup process he said he was in the makeup chair like at its peak like when they were peak demons for almost 11 hours uh, which is just in absolute insanity to me. And he was like, it was the most money like I ever made in one night. He's like, cause he's like, they had to just get it done in one night. He's like, so like we were in the makeup chair all day and then they, we filmed all day, but they, I mean, then I asked him about the house, you know, and 
you know, that was a real house they filmed in. And, you know, he said, you know, that it was pretty creepy uh, already, but obviously they made it extra spooky and spooked it up even more. But yeah, super cool, super nice guy. Definitely recommend getting um, his auto if you ever have the chance to meet him. He's very fair price too, as well. And I got him to sign my Stooge figure, which he was super excited to see. He was, you know, he was, he was very excited about that. Um, and now Linnea is actually coming to mass very soon. So I'm going to complete, it's a double pack of uh, her character and Stooge's character from the movie. So I'll get uh, her to sign it and have it complete. So excited about that. But very yeah, cool. once again, th- once again, thank you, Salem. Paracon, which I'm thinking they're going to make it a yearly thing. So, you know, worth checking out if you're local to the area. All right, so let's get into some horror news now, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, the biggest thing that has come out recently, and Steve, thank you so much for taking over the news last week. You did a a fantastic job in my absence. Um, But now, I don't think you guys talked about this, but uh, the biggest thing that has come out recently is the potential merger between James Wan and Jason Blum's production companies. They are currently supposedly in very deep talks to do this, um, merging, of course, Atomic Monster and Blum's Blumhouse Productions and making basically a absolute horror powerhouse of just complete amazingness, possibly. We'll see. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about this? Do you think this will be like, do you think it's a horror monopoly? uh possibly or is this like good for the horror genre um i think it could be good and bad it's gonna suck when they launch their own streaming service because you know that's next we're owning all these ips and things like that and then we have to buy something else but like i said earlier with the fan film stuff like i really hope it's cool that they have their own thing conjuring universe and cities all that crap but i really hope that they give opportunities to like these lesser known filmmakers like the dude that did um deadstream like give him some money dude like let's see what happens if if they have halloween because you know it's maritime before they revamp that give it to a, a a horror lover and let him let him film something i hope it doesn't turn into we're only putting out like big ticket items like you know like a disney ella you know marvel and star wars i hope they do like some smaller stuff like from there because i don't know i guess time will tell right yeah but if you give it to a big studio does it automatically make it a big movie? Like, you know, for example, uh, Marvel put out Werewolf by Night, which is a small movie, but still Marvel and Disney. So do you consider that a small film or a big film? Just kind of weird time. No, you know, to to be the devil's advocate, like I think everyone feared that when Disney bought everything, it would be like, oh, we're only seeing princesses now. And that's kind of to go against my own point. That didn't happen. Like we're getting predator prey and all that stuff we're getting good genre pieces so to answer that question no but i think it's a maybe an unwarranted fear that that's what would happen like we'll only see those types of films and maybe not necessarily like those smaller smaller pieces yeah see i actually think this is a good thing um i think just getting more horror out there is never a bad thing there's so much indie horror anyway that i'm not like afraid for indie horror whatsoever uh, horror probably gets more indie films than anything. Uh, if you look at, you know, any of the smaller streaming services like Tubi, it's mostly horror, you know, because it seems people like to make small horror films. So I think having more money into the genre is never a bad thing. Um, now, I just hope that either of the sides don't like compromise each other. So we get a ton of Conjuring films out of, all of a sudden and they're, they don't have like the quality. Although, to be fair, their quality hasn't been the greatest 
in the past couple films, but still, uh, I'm psyched. You know, more money to the horror genre, never a bad thing to me. Yeah, and I agree. I think it's, I think mostly it, it should be great for the genre. I mean, you're just creating more content and you're bringing these two powerhouses together, which should bring more money to both studios too, which should bring higher budget horror movies, which is always a good thing. Um, so the idea behind this alliance, of course, is to increase output there. Uh, they would like to re release at least one horror title a month going forward next uh, in theaters. So, I mean, that's pretty big already. Um, Blumhouse has, you know, historically done about three or four a year. So this would be a massive uptick. They also hope to expand into horror-related gaming, live entertainment, and audio as well. So we wouldn't just be getting movies. I mean, there'd be a lot of stuff on the entire entertainment spectrum. So yeah, big things coming. Uh, also, horror business continues to boom here as uh, Walter Hamada has joined Paramount uh, he has been hired to increase the studio's horror input. I'm sorry, output. So, uh, you know, obviously the horror business is booming right now, ladies and gentlemen, with the success of uh, Smile, which came from Paramount. Uh, they have decided, of course, Smile made $209 million box office. That is fucking insane to me. Which is actually, that more than Halloween? Yeah, I think it may, pretty probably pretty close, if not more. I'm yeah, not sure what Halloween put out. But to be fair, both... uh, they were also uh, streaming. Peacock. Right? Yeah, right. so it's it's tough to judge for that one. Right, but talk about a movie that kind of came out of nowhere and just was an absolute powerhouse in the theaters, which I believe we're reviewing next week. Is that our, is that next week's movie? Yeah, so you'll hear our thoughts on that next week. But um, yeah, so they saw this success and they said, you know what, we want to we want to do more. So there are. Uh, hired this guy to put out more horror co uh, content. So Hamada's mandate will be to release several mid-budget horror films for theaters and streaming a year. So that is the plan there. So, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, between this Blumhouse, uh, James Wan, you know, collaboration, and then Paramount Pictures hiring this guy to output more horror it, within the next few years, uh, Horror is going to be king, and it really seems like that. And, you know, we'll get into it with our year-ender episode, but my God, I think this has been the best year for horror in recent memory, um, in my opinion. And I think Steve and Todd probably agree with me on that for the most part. Would you guys agree? I do. Uh, <laughs> we, we had this <laughs> yes, debate last, last episode, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, I honestly well, need to look at my list. But just for reference, Halloween Ends made 104 mil. Worldwide, okay. not including Peacock, of course, and whoever subscribed right. because of that movie, blah, blah, blah. But that seems low. But I think we also discussed that, that it was kind of a gamble to release it concurrently. And maybe they didn't have faith in the film. Or maybe this is part of their horror Peacock streaming launch. I don't know, but 104 mil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, next bit of news. Eddie Munson entering another horror universe question mark as he is in pretty lengthy talks from what i'm reading to play the lead role in a quiet place day one which is going to be the next quiet place movie this one i believe is more of a spin-off take as opposed to the other two but they have already cast uh lapita nuango if i'm pronouncing her name right so yeah we might have a joseph quinn lapita nuango uh quiet place movie so pretty solid casting there uh and we'll see we'll keep you up to date i 
I would be shocked if he doesn't get cast, honestly, just based on his absolute popularity right now. Bringing him in seems to make absolute sense. So we'll keep you up to date on that. And just a couple more stories. So next bit of news here is welcome to Derry. Everyone's been very excited about this. The upcoming Pennywise uh, it television series that is going to be on HBO Max. Well, it has been announced recently that Bill Skarsgård is going to be most likely in talks anyway to reprise his role as Pennywise, which obviously I think makes the most sense if you're going to do it, you know, with the Muschetti's. Uh, both Barbara and Andy attached to this one. It just makes sense that you would bring him back for this. So, yeah, I mean, very exciting. Uh, not really. Um, so the series, of course, will begin in the 1960s in the time leading up to the events of It Chapter 1. So, you know, basically a uh, sort of a 60s story now rather than i would like to go all the way back personally and go back to the very beginning origins of pennywise which maybe we'll get some of that in the this uh actually sam and i watched part two recently and i thought the stuff with you know scars guard without the makeup on even though very brief was maybe like the most captivating stuff in that the whole movie. So I'm hoping we get some more stuff like that in this Welcome to Dairy series, but we will see. Very excited about that. And then uh, the last bit of news for tonight is a little bit of update on the Friday the 13th TV series that is going to be coming to Peacock. The question, can Jason Voorhees appear in the Peacock series? Well, the answer from what we have uh, based on the lawyers that uh, accorded. So according to the lawyers here, the Crystal Lake series now has access to all of the other elements from the films, suggesting that the combined forces of Victor Miller and Rob Basarmian will allow the Peacock series to use anything it wants to. That includes locations and characters most notably, of course, adult Jason Voorhees and his hockey mask. So very good news um, for fans of the Friday the 13th series. Yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? I mean, A24 is involved in this. Um, very interesting stuff. Todd, you you being the biggest Friday the 13th fan, I, I really yeah. want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, you know, I, I would love to see adult Jason, but I do not want to see young Jason. It's it. He's not going to be like, don't make him a little heartthrob teen. Don't make him a little mentally handicapped kid that gets picked on. Leave it alone, please. For the love of God, don't change like the, I know, you know, Friday 13th doesn't have the biggest continuity or backstory, thing like that, but it's simple. Jason was picked on. He drowned in an accident. Mom came back for revenge. We don't need anything else than that. Like, don't make a, a Norman Bates prequel where he's living with mom and mom's hot, things like that. Just leave it as it is. So uh, I'm a little bit worried about that, but otherwise I'm pumped because we need more Jason. I miss you, Jason. <laughs> it's it's about fucking time we get something that's uh, Friday the 13th. Like, it's just, it's nice to see all these um, horror icons making reappearances. So hopefully we can get, you know, a, a good Freddy one as well. I know the fan film, of course, but like another like actual release of Nightmare on Elm Street. So we're almost there. We almost got all the horror icons back, uh, you know, for better or worse, of course, Halloween uh, mm-hmm. ends, but uh, yeah, it's good to see. So, so this is absolute and complete rumor. 
but it has been swirling a little bit online and take it with a complete grain of salt, ladies and gentlemen, because this is just complete speculation. But uh, the rumor that has been swirling online is that Jason Blum is in talks to play Jason uh, do, No, to do a Nightmare on Elm Street series with Kevin Bacon to play Freddy. And apparently it is in talks, you know, whether this is actually true or not. You know, like I said, it, there's been some reputable horror people that have come out and kind of talking about it. So, I interesting idea. I, you know, we'll we'll see if it actually happens or not. But I think, you know, you got to bring England back. He's he can still. I think he still has one more movie in him. And uh, but I, you know, if some if you are going to pass a torch, Bacon might. You know, fan, maybe the fan base. Do you think the fan base would accept Kevin Bacon as Freddy? Well, he's a legit actor, right? So at least we we know if they're putting Kevin Bacon in that role, they're taking it fucking seriously because he's probably not cheap either. Now, I think it would be a weird choice for me to replace Freddie like permanently or if they're passing the torch because Kevin Bacon isn't exactly, uh, you know, 25. So why get someone else who's kind of older unless it's a one kind of deal thing, you know? Um I don't know that that just brings up a lot of possibilities. Like what if there's two dream warriors and they're, you know, two, two like dream guys and they're fighting each other and someone else comes in. Like, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to think that Kevin Bacon would do it, but I'd be down to watch it. I like him. So. So Kevin is 64 years old. Here's young. So England, England's probably what? 10 years older than that. Maybe if I were to guess. Let me look right now. He is 75. So he's got 10 years, 11 years on him. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a Steve's point, like, why go older? And, but, you know, also this point too, he's a fucking great actor. Um, plus that voice, his natural voice under Freddy makeup might be freaking cool. But it would be awesome if they just did what they should have done in ends and just have a legit transfer of power thing. Like, hey, you're the new dream rapist, you know, go get it done. Or, you know what I mean? Like transfer, like he's a new dream demon. And then call it a day and start it like that. I think that's the best route to do. But yeah, I would say like, oh, younger actor can't pull it off, but Skarsgård fucking did great, right? As as Pennywise, so anything's possible. No, yeah, absolutely. So we'll keep you up to date on that. Like I said, that one is just pure rumor and speculation. Very interesting. Like, uh, so you know, we'll see. I I think it's just a matter of time before we get a new Freddy movie. I think it's a hundred percent going to happen within the next year or two. So, and we'll always keep you up to date here so make sure you keep listening to our hard news segments thank you all right uh before we go into what watch just a little uh quick ad from deadly ground but before that just got to give deadly grounds a shout out and also one of our listeners uh jackie a fellow canadian uh relatively new uh, listener and uh, she lives really close to the deadly grounds shop and they've been doing a lot of really cool events lately including zombie santa last weekend so you could go see zombie santa and have your picture taken with him and stuff like that so that's something they do often. So very cool shops support them. And here is their ad. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. 
All right. My first one is Bob Clark directed of A Christmas Story, oh. Black Christmas fame. And that is 1972's Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, which is a zombie movie that I watched uh, many, many years ago. And it's been on my rewatch list for a while. Checked it out again. And this one is about a pompous like theater director who has a younger troop of actors with him. And he's like, if you do what I say, uh, you'll be in my play. If you don't, you're out. And apparently this like director's big time. So all the actors put up with this bullshit. So he takes them to a secluded kind of island where they start doing ritualistic things in a cemetery, trying to raise the dead, abuse corpses, things like that. Of course, they succeed and then raise zombies and the zombies start killing people. This one is really cool if you're into the 70s look. And I think a lot of us are. Um, the zombies look pretty neat too. The only problem with it I can see people having is that the zombie action doesn't happen until about maybe the last 20 minutes or so. The rest of it is them literally fucking around, being dicks to each other, digging up bodies, threatening each other with, you know, you're not going to be my play. You're, you'll be finished in this town, things like that. But once it gets going, it gets really good. That's 1970 Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, and it is streaming on Tubi. Very nice, very nice. Uh, all right, my first one tonight, I'll get right into it for uh, based on tonight's interview coming at the very end of the show with the gear brothers who wrote this movie and the movie is called the retaliators uh, 2022 release you can check it out vod they were kind enough to send us a screener though so i was able to watch it through that so this movie is about you know it's really interesting because uh you'll hear it in the interview and i'll give you a little tease here it is very loosely based on um, something that the Gear Brothers and their family went through in real life, which um, they'll explain it better than me. And I definitely recommend uh, sticking around for it because it kind of took me off guard when they told me, you know, like when they took me through the whole story is very shocking. Uh, but yeah, so this one is about a, a pastor who, uh, you know, has a family and it's around Christmas time. And uh, his daughter is heading to a party when she is being, she's basically wrong place, wrong time, right? She's at a gas station. She's filling up her gas and she uh, essentially witnesses a crime and she is followed and murdered essentially. And the rest of the movie follows the pastor as he kind of goes down a violent spiral into weird uh like underground stuff involving biker gangs and sort of the mafia and also dirty cops and stuff um so it's kind of like a crime drama horror movie and i'll leave it at that because probably the, the less you know more the better um this movie opens like really strong it's pretty fucking wild to start it almost opens like as a zombie movie and you're like, what the fuck? But it's not a zombie movie. And you find out, you know, what these things are, uh, the deep you get into the movie. Yeah, really, really great premise. Really, really cool stuff. Unfortunately, I think, you know, had there been maybe a bigger budget and whatnot, we probably would have gotten a better movie here. But the execution was definitely lacking a bit in this one i will say there's very good acting though especially by the guy who plays the main cop here mark uh menchaka who you guys might know from uh he's done some other he was in uh, the outsiders the outsider tv show and he was also in um he was in some other like really popular tv show but he's he was fantastic in it 
Also, if you are a fan of like, I guess like new metal rock music, there's like a lot of fucking random ass cameos in this. Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach plays like a pretty semi major character in this one. Also, we get cameos from Put Tommy. My Lee. life into pieces. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> also, uh, Tommy Lee is in here as well in a very small role, and uh, also Five Finger Death Punch. Um, so I mean, if you're into that type of music, which uh, I will fully admit, like not my exact cup of tea but if you're into that i think you might also uh spencer uh charnis from uh ice nine kills is in this as well um all very small brief cameos besides i would say jacoby um shaddix from papa roji definitely has the biggest role in this one you know i they really forced the music though into this like this like new a this new metal soundtrack into this movie and most of the time it just didn't fit with the tone of the movie and that was a big problem for me because i feel like you know it leaves me a bit frustrated because i think there's like is a pretty solid movie in here and there's definitely moments of really great stuff in here but they just it just lacked i guess at the end of the day direction but, I mean, great writing by the Gear Brothers. I definitely want to see what they uh, have up their sleeve next. And, like I said, a, a, you know, I, I definitely think it's a, it's a watchable movie for sure. And I think uh, other people will definitely enjoy it more than I did. As it stands for me right now, I gave it a two and a half out of five over on Letterboxd. So, you know, it's uh, okay one-time watch, but uh, also not something I guess I would run out to go see either. But like I said, fans of like that type of music and stuff, you'll probably enjoy it a lot more than I did. So yeah, I would say, you know, give it a, give it a watch for sure. And uh, I mean, like I said, when you hear this, this stuff from the Gear Brothers, you're definitely going to want to check out this movie. It actually made me appreciate it a lot more after interviewing them. So yeah. Awesome. Uh, so my first one I watched this week is a 2022 film that I found over on Netflix and that's Valley of the Dead. So this is a Spanish film and takes place over the Spanish Civil War. But honestly, it looks more like World War II than anything because you have uh, Spanish soldiers, you have Russian soldiers, American soldiers, and uh, Nazi soldiers. So it feels more like a World War II film than it does Spanish Civil War. I'm not exactly sure when the Spanish Civil War was. Maybe it was around that time. But uh, anyway, so uh, this guy, he, he fucks up. Uh, he like accidentally does something to a very powerful person in the military. And he's about to get executed. But because he knows like somebody in a high ranking he kind of gives him one last chance so his one chance is he has to deliver uh, something to an, like another general across the country and he's like i can't do that i'm gonna get fucking killed because it's very dangerous there's a lot of people like fighting there's a lot of war going on between those two territories but he's like either we kill you now or you have a sliver of a chance and go through that territory and deliver the message so it's like okay fuck whatever so he do he does that, and sure enough, not very long into it, he gets he gets caught by another troop, and they kind of, you know, they're not sure what to do with him. And as they're discussing what to do with him, they find a uh, dead like paratrooper, and they're kind of like messing around with the body and stuff. And all of a sudden, the body comes to life, and you real they realize that they are in a zombie apocalypse. So the rest of the movie takes place with the group of soldiers who have kind of an uneasy alliance because uh, they meet other groups throughout the time as well and it's like not only do they have to deal with trusting themselves like the the people within the group but now they have to also fight this zombie apocalypse uh, this is a movie i never heard of 
Honestly, I was just looking for something to watch on the plane. So I tended to watch this on my phone on a plane. But 30 minutes in, I actually stopped it because I liked it so much that I wanted to give it like a proper viewing, uh, which is saying something, you know, that's uh and yeah, it's it's something I really liked. It's it was actually a really good film. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the zombie army games for people who have played those. I know people who listen to uh, Todd and I's other podcasts, Let's XP Geeky Game podcast. We reviewed Zombie Army Four, and it has like vibes of that because it's military. It's like World War II era, and it's got zombies and stuff. Um, it's got comedy, great action, uh, really good zombies too. It's got uh, solid kills some surprisingly like sad moments and i really like the cast like you really uh each of the cast members or most of them anyway have a unique personality that you kind of attach to and uh yeah i think this is a an underrated gem now i don't know if people are gonna like it as much as i did i just really like this very specific genre of films uh both military and zombies so it was right up my alley but I still think it's something that people should check out. So that's uh, Valley of the Dead over on Netflix. Yeah, I added that to my watch list because that sounds great. Um, Civil War ended in 39, so I guess right Make, before okay. World War II. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense then, yeah. Have you ever seen Death Watch, Steve? World War One, English and German ghost movie? You definitely I, like that one. Okay, I'll put it on my list. But my final one is going to be first time watch for me that I'm surprised I've never seen it. It's Body Bags by uh, Carpenter. So this one is three stories long with a wraparound by Carpenter. He plays a mortician that's really creepy, and he's talking about dead bodies and going over their stories, things like that. Uh, so the first one is a young lady at a overnight gas station job, and there's a serial killer on the list, so we follow her around. The second one is Stacy Keach is this older gentleman. He's kind of suave. He's well off, but he's losing his hair, and he tries a miracle operation to get his hair back. And the third one is Mark Hamill, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker. He plays a baseball player. And he loses his eye in a car wreck and he does an experimental eye transplant. I think the strongest one is probably Mark Hamill's. Um, his performance is just like really good. It's really a shame that he got typecast so early in his career because he's actually like a really decent actor. But it is hard to not see Luke Skywalker in that one. But the the caveat with that one is he gets an eye from a serial killer. So the serial killer kind of his like persona transfers to Mark Hamill's character. And he, you know, tries to kill his wife and things like that. Stacey Keach's performance in the second option is, like, really good. He plays, like, a really... It's always nice to see, like, these handsome, you know, tough guy, older characters play vulnerable. And he does that with, like, losing his hair and, you know, it's losing his power, things like that. So he gets, like, an alien creature kind of thing that they implant in his skull and then it kills people. And then the first one, probably on paper gonna be the best one with a serial killer at a gas station overnight but in my opinion was the weakest stronger performance by the lead character but overall kind of a miss it's a shame that this wasn't picked up as like a tales from the crypt anthology because like carpenter is really creepy like the, the the teeth prosthetic he has is really good his pasty skin is awesome so overall it's like a solid three and a half or so because it wasn't like while it kind of had some cool stuff nothing really like stuck out where i'm like thinking about it days later but yeah, it, it would have been nice to see where this could have gone if it got picked up for series. That one is streaming on Shutter, actually, in the U.S. Yeah, it's a fun one. I actually watch it on YouTube. It's like fully on YouTube as well. Like I watched it like four or five years ago on there. So you can watch it on there nice. as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, my last one tonight is a uh, 
brand new 2022 release um, just released I think a week or two ago and I watched it based on the recommendation of uh, Blade Disgusting who put a pretty uh, interesting review of this one on there uh, and this movie is called Soft and Quiet. This one is you know I would say it's definitely borderline horror but uh, essentially man I, I would say the less you know about this maybe the better but I will speak a little bit of it but if you don't want to know anything skip ahead a minute uh and you can hear my thoughts after but uh basically this one is about an elementary school teacher who throws a mixer together with a bunch of other women and interestingly enough this movie is shot completely in one take um or it's supposed to look like it's one take so the you know the camera never cuts away nothing we are following you know this story you know throughout the whole you know in one continuous take which i i love movies like that um most recently uh what's that 1917 i believe the war movie that came out um which did it fantastically as well and i just find that type of filmmaking super unique and interesting um so we're following her to this mixer you know she seems just like a really cheery normal you know everyday school teacher uh she gets to the mixer she puts down the pie she's been holding for like the five or ten minutes we've been following her and when she opens up the pie there's a swastika carved into the pie which was kind of like an oh shit moment and from there we learn that this mixer is really just a front for a basically a nazi uh i think they called it sisters of the aryan something or the other it is essentially women who all are uh, nazis and you know we follow we end up following them to a liquor store where they end up getting into an altercation with a couple of mexican ladies and they end up following the mexican ladies to the house and i'll leave it there because from there some pretty disturbing and crazy shit happens so this movie was is definitely disturbing in parts, mainly due to the you know subject matter. Also, some you know other disturbing stuff that happens uh, inside the house that you know I won't get into because, like I said, the less you know, probably the better. But I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's super interesting. The way it was shot was awesome. My problem, my biggest problem with the movie is I wanted, I just wanted more out of it. When it ended, I. I, I was a bit unsatisfied with the ending. I, I think it's definitely a, a good movie and it's definitely worth your time and definitely worth a watch. But just there was just something there that uh, holds it back from to making it like into a really good movie or a great movie that would, you know, touch my top 10 or anything like that. So ultimately worth a watch, but, you know, not top 10 or anything like that. And like I said, borderline horror, you know, there's horrific moments, but it's not really a horror movie per se. What was that title? Uh, Soft and Quiet. Soft and Quiet. One thing I forgot to mention during Valley of the Dead, and this is a big gripe of mine, uh, and it's nothing to do with the movie itself because I think the movie's great, but it's a Netflix gripe, and that's for at least the movie, the movie Valley of the Dead and the movie I'm going to talk about, they didn't have the option to have the original like voices. It was dubbed only, and I fucking hate dubbed movies. Like It is so bad. And unfortunately, I think that hurts the movies that you watch. Like, I still saw through it with Valley of the Dead, but uh, Netflix, you need to give us a fucking chance to just have subtitles because you lose a lot of the performances in movies like that. So do better, Netflix. And speaking of which, my next one is a 2022 film, which I also watched on Netflix. And it's also, unfortunately, a dub movie because it is a German film. And that's Old People. 
So in this movie, uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, people who seem to be over the age of 80, they don't specify that the age, but it seems to be like people who are 80 plus who have been kind of, you know, in homes and in poor health and neglected by the people, the younger people who are taking care of them, all of a sudden go into this weird trance and just start fucking murdering everybody that's younger than them. So the story takes place, uh, like, so they show kind of the, the night that it happens, and then it goes back a little bit where uh, this family is going to a wedding, and uh, they haven't seen their grandfather in a long time, who is in a home in the town where the wedding is happening, and there's a lot of family drama, but that isn't interesting at all. What is interesting is that they go to an old folks' home, and the old folks start kind of acting really creepily as they go visit their grandfather. And sure enough, uh, you know, the, they start just acting weird and doing things that are kind of creepy, like staring at them and biting on weird stuff. And anyway, it's a whole thing. And finally, they leave the home with the grandfather because they want to bring him to the wedding. And the old people from that uh, facility can hear the wedding music from far and they weren't invited, right? Because obviously they can't bring the whole yeah, old folks home to the wedding and then the like guard there is super rude to them like guys need to go to bed you can't stay up here and listen to the music and that's when i guess the turn happens over that course of that night and they just go fucking crazy it's almost like an infected film like 28 days later where uh they start like puking really gross shit and they go they just really the gore is like insane. They really go after the people that are taking care of them and young people. And then it becomes almost like a zombie film, almost like Night of the Living Dead, because the people who are at the wedding, they're kind of stuck in this cottage and the old people are attacking them. And it becomes kind of that type of movie where they're trying to survive in, uh, as these old people are kind of murdering everyone. It's a really interesting idea. There are genuinely really scary moments, especially if you're creeped out by... I mean, I, I hate to say this, but creeped out by old people. You know, it's like just creepy old people, old men, old women, just doing really weird stuff. Uh, memorable imagery, like there are certain scenes in the movie that I think are going to stick with me for a while. Unfortunately, I feel that the story and the main characters don't support the good idea of the old people. So when the old people are attacking, it's a great movie. All the drama and the main character shit that is on the side, you know, there's like relationship issues and... Uh, a kid like misses their dad because their parents should divorce, all that stuff, super boring, don't like it. But the old people stuff, amazing. So it's like a soft recommend, I think I would say, because it is a unique film. There are some really crazy shit that happens in it, but there's a lot of filler that just isn't interesting. So that's old people over on Netflix. Sounds cool. It's a great premise. It just... Yeah. Sounds like it. rabbit grannies, <laughs> but not... <laughs> <laughs> You guys yeah. have seen that one that's trauma or whatever mm-hmm. cool trivias yeah let's do it it's been a while uh, yeah. trivia yeah. let's see here yes joseph will watch pappy's graveyard all right <laughs> so for this uh, final quarter here i'm in the lead with eight joe in second place with five steve right behind him with four overall for the year i'm in the lead with 61 joe on my butt with 53 steve in the rear with the gear at 46 who will take it? I believe we have bets on this too, like yeah. mustache. Yeah, yeah okay. Good, goodbye, beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe has the blondest tips. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. I have a, a porn. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Dewey's, I have to do Dewey, Dewey's um, 
cop stash, but right. that's not happening. No. And then I'm scared. My I don't see yours on here, see. It's also uh, the, the stash. Is it the stash? That's funny. Yeah. That's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> you have to walk exactly like Dewey walks in part two, too, just fumbling <laughs> yeah. around like an idiot. <laughs> right. All right. Who would like to I'll, I'll, go. I'll go first. All righty. All right. So thank you, Kayla. For uh, she sent me like a fucking pages and pages of questions. So I'm using hers tonight too. Yeah, every, every time that I'm not <laughs> in the mood to like think of something, I uh, I use some first. Uh, so first one in the film The Fly, Veronica notices physical changes on what part of Seth's body? Fingers. Wrong. Fuck. His nipples. <laughs> Should have been. <laughs> His legs. Wrong. So. It's actually his back. Oh, shit. So he's looking in the mirror, I think, and she sees something yeah. in his back. So. All right. Great fun. Mm. Very good. Some body horror right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. In misery, which direction is a ceramic penguin always facing? North? Incorrect. Is it a north, south, east, west thing? Yes. I just watched it like two weeks ago. <laughs> It was on TV. What are the odds if I have three answers to choose from here? Yeah. Um, he is facing east. Incorrect. The correct <sighs> answer is south. Damn it. Fuck. <laughs> and of course, that is how she knows Paul Sheldon has gotten out of his right. room. And that is the reason we get the infamous hobbling scene. Uh, a a pivotal dirty. moment in the film. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. They actually... Um... The, there was a super crazy edition of Misery that uh, put out by, I think, Cemetery Dance um and it came with like a penguin and it was like only 20 of them and oh, wow. apparently it was, oh, the ori- cool. it was from like the original mold or something it was like that nice yeah i would love that it's a great book man I... all right <clears throat> uh in the movie 1408 what hotel are they staying at oh uh the dolphin that is correct very nice my son thank you Yes. All right. Who is the queen alien in the movie The Faculty? The principal. That's no, amazing. it's the it's the girl. Yeah. Uh, What's her name? Mary Mary Beth. That's right. Launching. Oh, on fire! Big faculty <laughs> fan. We should. That's one we should probably cover. That's a fun one. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, same. same. I haven't seen yeah. it since tape days. Mm. I watched it so much growing up. I very fond memories of it. She was pretty cute too. I think she gets naked at one point too. Oh, she, or something okay, like man, interesting. Your, I think he's still butt or something, maybe. At oh, least. <laughs> for all the butt, butt guys and girls. That's right. Okay, Get Out won what Oscar? Best screenplay. Yes, that is correct, Todd. I want you. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I guess not. For like comedy Best, or yes. something, right? Comedy drama. No, that, that was Golden Globe. That was Golden Globe, yeah. Yeah, but. Oh, so it was, best it, was it was in that category, but it won best original screenplay at the actual Oscars. Yeah, yeah, because they have the the stupidest way of categorizing things at the Golden Globes. So. Yeah, they're fucking dumb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, Wait. let's see here. <clears throat> Go ahead. I was gonna say, speaking of award season, shout out to Mia Goth. She's been nominated for a In Spirit, I think, Independent Spirit Award, which be- I'm not best familiar smile. with that, but best mm-hmm. actress um so that's all that's awesome she was the only like you know horror cool. actress that was nominated so pretty cool best, best original dance number next stop the golden globes baby oh, and sure. then the oscars okay you heard it here <laughs> i don't know like she's got competition I, art the clown is uh 
<laughs> in, in, in contention. So that's right. <laughs> Alrighty. So, uh, before it, twenty seventeen, what was the highest grossing horror movie remake of all time before it came out? Oh, good question. That's a very good question. Oh Jesus. I'd say I'm gonna say the te- no, you know, what? I'll say Dawn of the Dead. Okay, Dawn of the Dead. That's not it. Incorrect. No. Okay. Because <laughs> you said yeah, Dawn of the Dead. Yep. <laughs> Solid yeah. movie. Not it. I would have guessed that too. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go really in left field here and say House of Wax. Can I have a second oh, really? guess? <laughs> not House of Wax for sure. Yes. Second guess. Um, my second guess would be Nightmare on Elm Street. That's incorrect. And I'm gonna go. Take a second. Uh, no, this is actually. I think it might be post 2017. Uh, this movie was fucking huge. Oh, like cultural icon, huge. I'll go the thing. Why not? Eh, nope, things incorrect. And this movie is The Ring. Ah, yeah. Two hundred forty-nine okay. million. So I was even thinking sense. like different languages. Yeah, yeah I know, right? Yeah, yeah remake, same thing. All right. All right. Pierce Brosnan starred in this 1992 horror film. What is it? Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> it was a drive-by fruiting. Did you not? Know I fucking love Miss Doubtfire. Oh, so me much. too. I love it so much. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. The tra- the horror trailer cut. Oh, you oh, yeah. so, God, so good. So good. <laughs> Dude, they keep teasing the rated R cut of him. I do. do. Oh, really? Love. Yeah, because he they made him like all right do the shots that we're going to put in the movie. And then he had a rated R take for everything. I'm like, come on. (laughs) I don't think it's Um, family will allow it. That's stupid. Did they have a thing where they don't want him to release anything post? Really? Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Well, that's their, their call, right? Right. Pierce Bronson, huh? Did a horror movie. 92. Oh yeah. That's the question. (laughs) I'll I'll give you guys a hint after one guess. Uh, Dante's peak. (laughs) Great movie. (laughs) Great movie. I don't think it's a, I mean, volcanoes. It's, 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 it's also like ninety six. So the grandma, the grandma going through that water was pretty horrific. Grandma fucking toughed it out. <laughs> yeah, dude. he did. She Grandma's did. a beast. And then he breaks his arm or something on that. He does. I'm like, oh yeah. shit. It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I got nothing. So if you want right. to give us a hint, so, so, yeah, a hint. It's a Stephen King adaptation. Oh. Pierce Brosnan and a Stephen King. Probably something I haven't seen. Uh, I will say the Langoliers. No, right. Those. Good thinking, but no. Hmm. Oh, good thinking. Yeah. Um, it, it's like around that time of like TV movies and shit. I really don't know. So what were you looking for? It's a loose, very loose <laughs> Stephen King adaptation. It's um, the Lawnmower Man. Oh. Okay. I didn't. I fucking don't think I've seen it. Horrible movie. <laughs> I'll pass then. Yeah, it's like it's, it must be horrible, even worse now. Like I remember watching it in the early '90s, thinking, "Wow, the CGI is awful in this." So I can only imagine in 2022 what it looks like. It's probably just the worst. Yeah, is it a guy like it's a lawnmower? It's it's a lot. It's like a guy who's a lawnmower man. He like cuts people's lawns, and someone oh, invites him in to, to play as like VR video games. Uh, but in 92 <laughs> so cool. it just doesn't look good and then he becomes like obsessed with it and it just becomes this whole personality and he becomes like crazy and stuff. So. Mm. before it's time maybe 
way before yeah. it's time. Yeah. Um, all right, my last one here. Let's go with uh, a tagline because everyone loves taglines. <laughs> Kayla loves taglines too. Here it is: Every legend has its dark side. Ooh. Oh, every uh, legend has its dark side. I'm just gonna take a shot in the dark here and say Gretel and Hansel. Gretel and Hansel is incorrect, which is a good movie though. It's a very good guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea. I'll, I'll just go. I have no idea. Nothing. It's gonna, be, right. it's gonna be like a fancy a movie like that, right? Though, like based on a fairy tale uh, or something. Like that. Yeah, you're on the right track. Yeah. Um, go another guess if you if you go on it. Um, every legend has its dark side. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't. Nothing. Uh, nothing. I, I yeah. have no idea. Darkness Falls, which is one I haven't seen in uh-huh. a, quite a long time, which I think is Tooth Fairy, right? Tooth Fairy, yep. Yeah. I've never seen that one. Was it good? I no, I, I remember it, it not being great. Really? I re- I mean, I, re- I remember being okay, but not like anything super. That would have come out late '90s, maybe. Yeah, I think, I think it. The time I, think it I, I think it has oh, the dude I'm have from. To fucking the, look it up. The dude who's in Seventh Heaven, I think, is in like. Seventh no, Heaven. <laughs> I forget his name, Jason but I think Vanderbeek. Or is that not Seventh Heaven? No, that ain't Seventh Heaven. Darkness. That's Dawson's Creek. Oh. <laughs> well, that's close. Uh, 2003, Darkness Falls. And I guess we're looking for Chani Clay. Chani Clay? That's the no, main, maybe. main dude. All right, maybe I'm wrong. All right, I'm not thinking of the right movie then. You got your 90s teen sitcoms mixed up. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, I... I have no memory of that movie. Not much of it, anyway. Was who directed that? I feel like it was someone semi-famous, but I could be wrong. Um, that is directed by Jonathan Liebsman, who directed okay. the new Ninja Turtle movies, Battle Los oh. Angeles, Halo, TV show, All Wrath right. of the Titans. So I guess some bigger budget stuff. Yeah, some stuff. All right. Well, I remember it not being great, but I could be wrong. It's been a long time. All right, my last one tonight match the country of origin to the movie oh okay let's do it and the end of the movie is the human centipede germany incorrect that's why i thought but it's just the actor is german i think um is it hungry no i'll give it's you guys another guess if you would like um austria no son of a bee are, are we in the right like vicinity <laughs> I mean, I'm not great with world geography. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, f- I feel like you guys are in the right sort of area. Uh, I'll go like something crazy like, um, no, okay, I have no idea. This is Sweden. I have no idea. Yes, it's it's sweet, close, so close but close? no cigar. Um, the correct answer is the Netherlands. Netherlands. Yeah. Well, don't go to the Netherlands because you get sent in Peter. <laughs> Or don't go to the American U.S. too. You get centipeded. Isn't that part three? I I think it's time. Yeah, that was in the prison. I think it's like a Texas prison or something. Probably. It was so bad. I was gonna say. I think it's time though. I think it's time for a new human centipede. Yeah. I think we're we're I'm ready for it again. Let's remake it. Fucking remake the damn thing. (laughs) Fuck it. I'd be down for it. It's really like. I actually think part one is actually a good movie. Like it is. I think part one's a legit good movie, and then part two is just 
like disgusting. Part two is like a parody scene. of it, right? Or like yeah. Part, part well, it's like in real life or it's, something. Yeah, it's very meta. Yeah, like that. Yeah, like the the guy is a huge fan of part one, and he's so obsessed uh, with watching the movie that he creates his own human centipede. But like, he's not a surgeon, so he's like stapling their asses to the mouth and stuff like that. It's fucking remember, wild. And it's in black and white, off. which yeah, is the weirdest part off. about it. Yeah. It's in like black a... and white. But then they made a version where like the shit and puke like was in color. Oh. <laughs> Gotta have it. Yep. Jeez. Said it. Mm-hmm. All right. So scores for night, Joe two, myself one, which brings us to myself nine, Joe seven, Steve four. Overall score, myself sixty-two, Joe fifty-five, Steve forty-six. And thank you, Kayla, for providing all those questions tonight, because we're lazy pieces of shit. And what else we got here? We only had two weeks to think of them, but because <laughs> <laughs> I know two weeks of like literally not doing shit because we're all fucking sick. Yeah, I was on vacation so. doing nothing, and I still like <laughs> fucking didn't think of it. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. It's yeah, it's a, it's 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 a tough to find that balance of like you can get it, but not too hard and not too easy. It's just mm-hmm. and then you know Todd pulls a fucking question like name one character from this movie with a hundred characters <laughs> in that we it just and watched. we can't get it. <laughs> God, that was such a dick move. <laughs> it worked so we well. Suck, we suck at character. We're the worst taglines. Yeah. Oh boy, you need to pull yeah, out your French named, ones though. If you need me to ask one character besides Pearl in this movie, well, I guess Howard, but that is if, besides Howard. Yeah. I don't know if I can. Well, I don't know like if I can tell you five one. characters. <laughs> one, so. right? uh, father, father, <laughs> mother, mother, <laughs> uh, Mitzi, Scarecrow. And what's scare? <laughs> What's the guy's name? In I don't the know, theater? but I, I really liked him actually. Mustache. Though, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Mustache. Mustachio. <laughs> Fucking. All right, let's go. Are you guys ready for it? Pearl. Straight from the back of the Blu-ray. Filmmaker Ty West returns with another chapter of the Twisted World of X, in this astonishing follow-up to the year's most acclaimed horror film. Trapped on her family's isolated farm, Pearl must tend to her ailing father under the bitter and overbearing watch of her devout mother lusting for a glamorous life she's seen in the movies. Pearl's ambitions, temptations, and repressions all collide in the stunning Technicolor-inspired origin story of X's iconic villain. So for those of you that haven't seen X, you definitely should see it before watching Pearl. Um, You're going to miss a lot of, like, in-between stuff, especially, like, that we're in the original setting that is in X. So just go back and watch X before Pearl, in my opinion. Pearl starts off with Mia Goth, uh, just like the, the back... Uh, the blu-ray said she is leading a very sheltered life it's a in the middle of world war one as well as the great flu so not only is she having to wait for her husband howard who's off fighting in uh, france um, she also has to deal with her mother who doesn't want to get anyone sick which kind of coincides with our covid world for the last three years right so she's already got some uh mental disabilities right some shortcomings and then add to it the fact that you know she's not allowed to even dance wear nice clothing um she's under the strict thumb of her mother like hey you go to the fucking store you get this you come back don't touch anybody things like that also her father is in a wheelchair and he can barely even make noises or look so she has to take care of him wash him feed him things like that so she's under the watchful eye of her mother has to deal with her father while she's fighting these feelings of wanting to release her sexuality misses her husband, wants to be a movie star dancer, things like that. So we follow her around as she's struggling with these these feelings of hopelessness and being lost in a world that she doesn't fit into. Um, and I'll leave it at that. We, we follow her on the farm and she's doing her mundane things and it mixes with her 
daydreaming about being a starlet and having to deal with mom and dad and the hot guy at the movie theater and things like that. For me, this was made a, a major miss, and I'll talk about it more a little bit later. Um, having loved X, I thought we were going in the same direction as that one. So for I can see how some people could be a little bit turned off. And I'll leave it at that for now and let you guys give your two cents. All righty. Yeah, so loved X. So I was very excited uh, to see where they were going to go with Pearl. And I can definitely see why people are going to be turned off with this movie because this is like a completely different movie than X. Um, this is very A24 you know compared to x you know obviously done this studio did both movies but x is very different and we talked about that in our review it was definitely did not feel like an a24 movie this movie goes back to that a24 sort of formula you know this movie is basically a complete character study on uh the pearl character you know on that pearl character and for me i really enjoyed this one i thought it was equally good as equally good as x and that is all because of Mia Goth. I mean, she just gives an absolutely fantastic performance in this. Um, she commands the screen. She is basically in pretty much every single scene. I mean, she may well, she may well be in every single scene. I can't think of a scene really she's not in. And yeah, I mean, honestly, just a, a fantastic, my, probably my favorite performance of the year so far. Honestly, a, a double, you know, trip, maybe even a triple, you know, our lead character in X and then there's the lead, the Pearl old lady pearl in x and then this and you know as the title character in this one so just a great year for me a goth but yeah i mean i I, re I really i really dug the hell out of this one and yeah i'll leave it at that for now i was also a big fan of x almost for sure going to be in my top 10 of the year at this point uh just a really good film i watched it three times and enjoyed it all three times so i was really excited about this one too but i think i'm in the middle between you two uh, i didn't hate it but I didn't love it either. I'm kind of like, I liked it. Uh, it's definitely a completely different tone than the first one. And that maybe that's kind of set my expectations in the wrong way. So maybe this is a movie that I would like more if I rewatched it, knowing kind of what I'm getting into the second time. This reminded me a lot of like Joker in the sense that if you're going into Joker as a superhero film, you'll be super disappointed. But if you're going it as a character study, uh, I think there's a lot to like about it. And that's how I kind of felt about this movie with horror being the genre and, uh, you know, Pearl being kind of the character study. I find the horror failed a little bit with me on this. And that's where I guess most of my issues come. I don't think the kills were that great or that memorable. I thought the kills in X were fantastic. So, yeah, it's just I, I guess I just I came out disappointed but I still thought it was a great film. I agree with you, Joe. Uh, I think this is the best performance this year so far. Uh, and there's not a whole lot of year left, so I don't know who's going to unseat her. But Mia Goth is fucking fantastic as Pearl in this movie. And uh, I can't wait to talk about certain scenes that, you know, some I love, some not so much. But I think uh, this one comes up to expectations. So depending on what mindset you go into, might change your perspective on the movie. Yeah, I didn't dig the... Uh the whimsical route they went, you know, like it seemed like it was trying a bit too hard to be weird, you know, but not in a way that X was weird, which is like strictly kind of like TCM love story. This one's just seemed like it was like, look how bright and colorful we are. Aren't we weird? You know, like it just, it didn't, mm -hmm. it didn't sit 
sit well with me. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, it's pretty obvious he was going for, like, a demented Wizard of Oz story here. Because, like, you know, you have the cut, like, it's very colorful. You have that scene with the Scarecrow. Um, at one point when she's riding the bike, it's very similar to the uh, Wicked Witch before she goes into the, the Fantastic World wearing like that top hat and stuff like that. So I, I feel like he definitely was going for that sort of thing. And for me, it worked. I, I really I really loved the cinematography in this. I thought it was cool. You know, and it fits the the time period, right? It's like 1917 is where we are at. So for me, it, like it just all worked. Yeah, personally. Yeah. Um, it's just... <laughs> I think one of the big things that makes the difference, but besides the things I talked about with the two films, is I thought the secondary characters in X were really good. I really enjoyed the secondary characters in X. They all offered something that made the film way more interesting. Whereas I wasn't super into the main character, the secondary characters in this one. I mean, the projectionist was kind of cool but maybe a little bit too dickish to me. Uh, the parents were okay, but I didn't really care about their fate too much. Uh, I don't know. I just, I guess I was missing that element that X had. So when you focus on one character for so long and don't really have anyone great to play off of, it's, it bored me a bit at times, you know? And that's kind of one of the big issues that I had with this movie. Yeah, I mean, I thought the projectionist was, like, solid. I thought they had, like, a good rapport, um, good back and forth. You know, I, I actually, I enjoyed the sister-in-law character a lot, too. I thought they, like, you know, had a good friendship there. And when she finally meets her fate, I did kind of feel bad for her. I definitely felt bad for the dad, you know, because that was just a, a terrible, shitty situation. But he, like, he didn't seem like he wanted to die. Like, I feel like if I was in that, if I was like that, I would just be like, put me out of my misery, please. But he, he didn't, he definitely seemed to put up a bit of a fight there. Yeah, um, and then about to feed him to the fucking alligator, too. Right, right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, and it was also some great callbacks. Yeah. To that first movie, you get the alligator that, you know, makes a little more sense, I suppose, now than it was kind of random and X, but they kind of made push, pushed it a little bit together in this one. Same, I like to have, you know, with the car that you see in X, you know, and it puts that story in there as well. So, I, you know, there's some some really cool little Easter eggs too um, for the fans of X. But I mean, I, I can understand why you are not a fan of this one, Todd, because it is a completely and totally different direction, you know, from x um which is it's an interesting choice um because you know the first movie is basically texas chainsaw massacre whereas this one is not at all <laughs> um very much uh slow i mean i timed it actually we actually don't really get into our first bit of horror until about an hour into this movie you know it's a lot so it's a lot of build-up but for me like I don't know. I just found Mia Goth really captivating. And uh, I personally was never really bored. I was always interested in where it was going to go. Yeah. See, like I'm, I'm, this is probably my biggest difference from you guys is, is I didn't think her performance was good. There were times where like her performance as someone suffering through like severe men mental health issues was believable, but like the, the last scene, her smiling, you know, was just not, it was just dumb to me, you know, and her riding the scarecrow was stupid. Um, she played her character like she was 12 years old and like never acted like an adult until the monologue scene, which was cool. And then it kept going on and on. I'm like, how much, how much like narrative do we need to be thrown at us? I felt it was kind of like a cheap way to showcase her acting ability, which is good, like I said, but then it's like, all right, 
you're over the top tone it down and it's just like it her her delivery of some things like took me out of the film like where i was just focusing on her acting instead of her being a character like being this character it just looked at like oh this is her range and if that makes sense to you like they were just trying to showcase her range instead of actually playing a character i didn't find her believable yeah i see i wonder if i had not seen x if i would have thought her performance would be as good i feel that having watched x three times i really picked up on things that her character did in x that she took you know in this movie like for example the way she dances is very reminiscent of the way she dances when she kills her first victim in x and the movement is almost like identical and i like that it shows consistency and it shows like that this is really the same character and there's a lot of little like nuances in the way that she looks in the way that she talks in the way that she uh you know like how horny she is and stuff like that that i i think i appreciated more in her performance in pearl that because i saw x so I, i'm wondering if i didn't see x if i would pick up on all those things and think that it's a good performance yeah i was debating after watching it because I, I was i watched it again today for the second time um and i still think it holds up um on a second watch this movie but i was wondering i was like i know todd said you have to watch x first but i wonder if it would be better to watch pearl first and then watch x you know what i mean like i I don't know what would be the be the better way to go to go about it, but I think you could do either way. But what what do you guys think would be the best way? I I think still X in my opinion because mm -hmm. that's the better film, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of the like for Pearl is because we saw X. I think that that's where I would go with it personally. So I was thinking about that after watching the movie too, uh, and I something if I we ever got to you know talk to Ty West, I'd be curious about is how he expects us to watch these movies once they're all released and they we've been see, like we've seen them because he goes from x let's say present time to the past then to the future right with maxine so does he want us to watch it that way does he want us to watch it chronologically like it's a very interesting concept i personally if i were to rewatch these movies of course maxine's not out yet it's time it's recording but if i were to watch him it'd probably be pearl first x and then uh, Maxine because then you see the slow progression of the characters um, and hopefully they explain some stuff in Maxine because we still don't really know why Maxine looks like Pearl uh, unless I missed it but I I'm really curious as to what the fuck that is but <laughs> I think it was just he just wanted me to play both characters. I yeah, just think he like obviously. I th I think he has like a good rapport with her obviously and obviously because she actually if you notice in the credits she actually co-wrote uh, this movie uh, Pearl um, so they obviously really hit it off uh, doing X and then he kind of gave her part of the reins in this movie so yeah. It, yeah it had to be a conscious choice I don't think it's just because you like the actress I'm going to put you in two different roles in the same movie like we talked about it when we did our X review uh, there's a very conscious choice there that you're both you're making her both Maxine and Pearl in X and then showing Pearl Young just to really hammer home that they look exactly the same, basically, minus, well, the, you know, some of the features in her face. But Right. I guess, you know, the choice would be, and uh, this is just my opinion, obviously, would be because Pearl, that's who Pearl wants to be. You know, Pearl wants to be Maxine. Like, that is the life she wanted to live. So perhaps that is why 
he chose like kind of the same actresses um, for those dueling roles, just because, you know, it's kind of a opposite thing, but you know, they but wanted to, you know, Pearl wanted to be that, that woman. And she, she did never became her, unfortunately. Or fortunately. Or fortunately. Crazy. I mean, it depends what you, yeah. I mean, she, she's crazy depends. from the beginning too. It's like, I, yeah, it's not a slow, I think someone must mention like slow buildup, which She's she kills fucking Mr. Goose for no reason. She does. She does. Gator, but um, some of the stuff I thought that was like just unintentionally hilarious was, I, I do not like to projectionist character as a person, because like he's uh, a veteran and he knows what Howard's going through and he still fucks his wife like in the theater. I'm like, you're a piece of shit, dude. You deserve it. But he takes her back and shows her porn, twenties porn, which is so fucking awkward. And she's just like. Her over-the-top self, like, what is that doing? And it's like, it was just funny. I didn't, I didn't get why she took a gator egg and then the very next scene crushes it. Did you guys know or inside? I, I think, I think it's just to show her unhinged, you know, side. That's how I took it, anyway. Yeah, I, I took it like that as well, and I also took it like, you know, the gator is her one pet you know there's no one else there's nothing else that's going to come in her way no other animals you know it's uh so she's killing the eggs to basically keep the gator uh in check mm-hmm. i also really liked the uh sort of the metaphor with the pig you know it was kind of you know it started kind of good and then it was kind of you know i felt like it was kind of uh you know showing uh pearl's kind of descent and rot as well i feel like that's what he was going for obviously um and i really dug that Sorry, I, I thought her freak out after she lost was like hilarious because <laughs> she had like snot rockets stripping out and she's I'm like, get up, calm down. And then she puts Mitzi on blast, even though Mitzi didn't win and it cost her her life, essentially. She had to lie about winning and then, you know, Pearl told her all this shit about her life and then kills her. Like, I felt bad for her, too, like you said, Joe. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think of the kills in Pearl? I, I thought they were kind of lacking, especially when we compare them to the kills in X. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. They definitely pale in comparison to X. Um, you know, but I was okay with it because, like, this is just a different type of movie, obviously. Like, the X is, is just complete slasher craziness, whereas this one's a little more toned down, obviously. Um, but overall, like, nothing super memorable. I, I guess the mother fire scene was pretty cool. And I, I-, I guess the-, the very ending with her cutting... Mitzi into pieces was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, nothing, but nothing as memorable as X. Yeah, I I agree with you. The dismemberment out of nowhere was pretty good. Did you have one, Steve? Yeah, I think that's the best one. I agree. It's uh, the rest were really like the projectionist was kind of boring uh, when she took out the, uh, you know, the pick there. I I don't know. I expected more out of it. You like, you barely see anything really. It's, It's disappointing. The, the scene of her um, walking to get the axe to kill Mitzi was pretty disturbing. How just like night, like that was probably is. the most X thing in this movie was, you know, it's almost like she, like, again, going back to this, to what I said before, that's when she went full Joker, right? She had the suit, she had like her dress, she was projecting the way that she really is. And that was her turning into Pearl from X rather than Pearl from Pearl. Yeah. Question right. for for you guys: Is Howard the current dumbest person in horror? <laughs> for he comes home from fucking World War One, 
sees his dead parents-in-law or whatever rotting and his fucking wife does this creepiest smile for like nine minutes straight dumbest person in horror question mark i mean yeah like right that's like the most i kind of uh questionable thing in this whole movie is definitely the biggest question why did howard decide to stay with her after that and i guess we'll never really know like i mean i'd have to go back and watch x i don't know if there's any ever mention of like why he decided to stick around or whatever i mean listen like you can love a woman to the moon and back but if someone pulls some shit like that i don't know how you can uh stick with them i mean did you see what she did to that scarecrow I mean, she, <laughs> you know, they, like, they weren't riding in 1919, yeah. baby. She, <laughs> she, she invented it. That's right. So maybe come he's on, like, Howard, maybe... get the fuck out, man. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that's Scarecrow, man. That holy was shit. a she, creepy she went ass Scarecrow. Oh my god, she went after I, that Scarecrow. Holy shit! Like, I was, I was expecting her mom to pop out of the corners, be like, "I some, told you, yeah, something, right?" Because Don't ride I, the like, I almost thought the Scarecrow would like wake up or something because it was a really like creepy design on that Scarecrow too. It's uh, interesting. I'm kind of surprised they didn't go that way, considering like how kind of fantastical the movie was. Is you know, they could have did a kind of a thing with the Scarecrow that actually would have been kind of cool. But. Yeah. Um favorite 1920s movie in the movie theater that she was watching are we going <laughs> man it's actually so then watch those fucking movies and being thrilled mm. with a big bummer mm-hmm. what was the name of the movie that's a trivia question for you Sil- I silhouette. Remember, but... silhouette silhouette okay mm-hmm. was that the porn no that's the uh the one where the <laughs> she had, that she had the booklet from <laughs> oh okay yeah in the porn know. he was like uh well, it's the actually time a, re- was like... a real porn Oh, oh really? Yeah, I, I, I read the uh, IMDb trivia, and oh, they actually picked an actual porn from that time. I, that is so funny thinking about them. All right, guys, what are we gonna get for this fucking the shot? Man, that's funny. <laughs> Terrible porn. <laughs> yeah, let's break the porn. Forget the, <laughs> the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, bathing in front of dad is super weird, even if he is in a yeah conscious state. Right? Agreed. Yeah, that was kind of weird for sure. Very strange. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and I had one um, one stupid issue that I picked up on. You guys probably did see the projectionist is like, hey, come and knock on this door anytime I'm here. She goes back, knocks on the door, and then he walks her through like a fucking mile of hallways. I'm like, there's no fucking way this asshole heard her knocking her little, her mouse knock, deet, 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 and he's watching freaking porn four hallways over. So I just thought that was funny. I thought that was like the door to his room, but no, it's way out of the way. But that's all I got. That's just a stupid observation. Yeah, what do you guys think of the dad character? Like, was that really needed in the end? Um, I like the father character. I yeah. guess. I mean, obviously, like it was just uh, to show a sign of the times, like Spanish flu. Uh, I believe it was Spanish flu yeah. he had because I saw it in the newspaper, and it was just. I think it was just to show kind of a sign of the times of how bad uh, the disease was back then and stuff like that. So, and I think it also added to her feeling more stuck. I guess, and wanting to get the hell out. So, yeah, I was fine with it. I think it did allow her to show some humanity, too. Like, that was the thing that was holding her back from running away, and as well as um, when she she's going to mercy kill him. And then when she left him there overnight, next to, like, with mom's corpse downstairs, she was really, like, up, upset that she left him. But then she, like, introduces him to projectionist, like, two seconds later. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, because, like, we're we're following like this character but like she really doesn't have many redeeming qualities whatsoever and like you're never really rooting for her but like 
So it's it's it is an interesting uh, story because like obviously we watch other movies where you're you're kind of rooting for the villain, but I never found myself like rooting for Pearl in this movie. I was just like, wow, she's just fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, there's no point where you're like really rooting for Pearl. So it's there's no no one really to root for. Like the mom, the dad, the projectionist, mm-hmm. like none of them are really. Mitzi's nice. Yeah, but she's not yeah. a main character though. So no, mm-hmm. but yeah, she was cool. I actually Howard. thought that'd be like her. Um, like her mortal enemy I, I don't know why i had a feeling that that would be kind of her uh, you know the character she really hated and i was actually happy to see that they had a good relationship because it, mm-hmm. it seemed like pearl could have a good relationship with anyone so i thought that was an interesting choice and one i actually liked yeah that, mm-hmm. that normally would be the rich blonde would be the hated mean character right. and she was exactly legit especially she's like a farm girl and she's mm-hmm. like cleaning cow shit basically when uh, she yeah. shows up the first time and no they had a great relationship so i thought that was I'm actually a good choice and probably more realistic. So are we to assume that uh, mom and dad were fed to the gators? Like Howard so. and Pearl kind of were like, all right, I guess let's get rid of these bodies and we're just going to continue living on this farm. I, I, I just, that is the toughest thing to, I guess, accept. But I guess you would accept that Howard is kind of fucking crazy too, I, I suppose. And we kind of get that in Pearl. So, Poor Pearl. Hey, she learned tricks from that 20s porno. So, mm-hmm. She was. <laughs> um, all right, rated or good? There you go. Mm-hmm. I'll start. I'll start off since I'm gonna be the lowest one. I'm, I'm sitting at a five out of ten on this one. There were, in my opinion, glimpses of really good acting by Goth, but overall, I thought it was played a little bit too ham and che- or hand and fist or tongue and cheek, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, I love X. It doesn't take anything away from that movie. This one was just a little bit unneeded, in my opinion. But looking forward to Maxine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I'm probably going to be the highest uh, of the group on this one. Um, I really dug it. Uh, you know, I like I said, I think it's equal to X, and I'm going to have to rewatch X now to see which one is going to go higher than the other because honestly, both movies are going to make my top 10. Yeah, so I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10. And I'm right in the middle. Well, not right in the middle, but in the middle of you guys, and that's a 7 out of 10. I liked it. I thought it was a good film. I just don't think it was a great film. I, I was more disappointed, I think, than anything. I really came into this thinking, okay, great, I'm going to have something else to put in my top 10, and it's not really anywhere near it. So uh, still something worth watching. Not mad I watched it, but, uh, you know, I'm still a 7 out of 10. Uh, did your, I don't know how you guys watched it, but uh, apparently they had a Maxine teaser in at least the theatrical release in some territories. Uh, my, where I watched it on VOD, did not. So I'm curious if you guys saw the Maxine teaser. I didn't stick around post credits, so it's quite possible, but I I don't know. On on the Blu-ray post credits, there's nothing, so I don't think so. Okay, I don't know. They didn't film it this time, so I don't know what the teaser would have been. Could have been just a title it, card, as far as it it's got to be on YouTube, right, or something. You oh, know what? Okay. I never saw the Pearl one, so no. <laughs> even even I looked at it on YouTube and I could not find. The really? teaser because it wasn't here in Canada on, in theaters when I watched it, and I stayed mm-hmm. to the right to the end of the credits to make sure. So who knows? Maybe it's not. We don't, do we know a release date for that? Is that like a? Yeah, I don't think they filmed it. So no, I don't think I don't think they have either. Okay. What is that? What does IMDb say? Let's see. Uh, it just says currently filming. Okay, so there you go. that's a, that's so all probably we get. Uh, late twenty twenty three. Hmm. Yeah, I would I would guess so. I do have to add though that. It is very fun uh, to see so much character and so much 
from this universe in such a short amount of time. So I do mm-hmm. respect that. It's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like something definitely awakened Ty West. Ty West. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause he, he hasn't done horror in forever. And obviously like he came back and did X and he fucking, he's, he's ready and I'm all for him. I'm all for it. I think he's now become, he's becoming back to be being uh, one of my favorite directors in horror that's going right now. So I'm excited to see what he does next and beyond this, uh, you know, x trilogy or whatever you want to call it i'm actually so when we watched x and reviewed it the word was that he wrote this um during the hiatus because they were like in isolation for covid so they had like a two-week kind of isolation period before filming x and that they filmed this like right after using the same crew but having seen it now that really kind of surprises me because how did they get all this period piece shit um so quickly so I almost don't believe that story anymore. And I, I believe he wrote it, but I don't think he would have filmed it back to back and gotten all this period piece stuff like so quickly. I don't know. It, it just it, maybe it doesn't princip- it doesn't add up to me. Maybe they shot all the stuff on the farm because I don't think there was that much stuff. Maybe. Yeah. But then this town and the, the stuff in the town, maybe because that yeah. was probably the most, right? Yeah. I did read though that um so they like cleaned up the house and repainted it and stuff like that for this movie. And the people who own that house liked it so much that apparently it's still the same to this day. <laughs> hey, that's in New Zealand, right? They shot this? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool farm. It is a cool farm, yeah. Mm. All right. All righty. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to stick around for our interview with the Gear Brothers, the writers of The Retaliators, now available on VOD. Don't forget, if you want to follow us post- show you can follow us on our discord that is definitely the best way to uh join the conversation over there we got movie club actually coming up uh the day this episode releases we are going to be watching better watch out i believe steve all right awesome so you can uh check out the movie club uh, basically just a discussion of the movie so go watch better watch out and then steve will send a special link in uh the movie club on discord and you can join in on the dis uh the discussion so super fun um also we got pretty much everything else on there horror talk discussion just very friendly community it's free completely free all you have to do is just send us a private message also facebook twitter instagram the horror squad podcast or you can email us anytime, the Horror Squad Podcast at gmail.com for any other inquiries. Next week, we are reviewing 2022's Smile. So we will see you guys next week. And also, we hope you have uh, or had a very happy Thanksgiving. And we'll see you guys next week. See ya. All right. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad Podcast, where tonight we are joined by two very special guests. Their new movie, The Retaliators, is now available on video on demand. Please welcome the writers of the film, brothers Darren and Jeff Allen Gear. Guys, thanks so much for joining me tonight. How you doing? Doing great, man. We're doing great. Thanks for having us, buddy. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So let's talk some retaliators. Uh, so why don't you start by uh, telling us a little bit about uh, what the, uh, the retaliators is about and also um, where you guys came up with the idea for it. Jeff, you want to take uh, what it's about, and then I'll take uh, where it came from. <laughs> Tag yeah. team this, baby. Yeah, Let's do yeah. It. <laughs> no, um, yeah. It's about an upstanding pastor who, um, you know, uh, beloved in his community, kind of a little mini rock star where he lives, and uh, something very tragic happens to his daughter, 
and this sends him sort of spiraling in his personal life and the detective who's on the case for the uh for the crime that happened to his daughter uh, uh basically I don't want to give too much of the movie away. I guess that's part of the problem with this, but <laughs> is a spoiler free or. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you can, you can do spoilers can spoil if you want, but I think. Bit. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. Okay. okay. I'm <laughs> no, like, I'm not going to explain on. anything. Just go see it. Okay. No, just gonna, sure. you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically his, his daughter was murdered. Um, and the uh, detective was on the case uh, meets up with the pastor and says, hey, look, you know, I I, I have an opportunity for you. Um, I'm one minute alone with this guy. And uh, he basically, uh, so so we basically see the pastor, uh, you know, go down the road of getting this one minute and what unfolds from that. And uh, it's a pretty, it's a really fun ride. It kind of a different take on the, the Death Wish uh, revenge fantasy kind of thing. And um, yeah, yeah, we're very... Um, very happy with it last time i ever hand that to you jeff <laughs> <clears throat> it is a hard it is a hard one to talk about because you just you do wonder how much to kind of give away but uh right. yeah um yeah the origin of it um uh it, it it actually the movie is rooted in in uh the inspiration of the movie is rooted in uh, so actual real life trauma in Jeff and I's family. We are Jeff and I are in fact brothers, and uh, we have a big family, a lot of siblings, and um, we have uh, a sister who um, years back, um, going on like sixteen years back now, something like that, um, survived a very horrible. Uh, attack uh thank goodness she survived but she was attacked by a stranger walking home uh in the middle of the night you know just a, like a block from her house at the time in a northern california you know suburban neighborhood and uh she was attacked tackled down uh, a 20-foot ravine she was uh unfortunately you know raped and beaten and almost killed, belt around her neck. I mean, just horrible, horrible story. She, the good part obviously is that she did fight for her life and she uh, outsmarted and survived the situation, almost an impossible situation, but she did survive. And for years and years and years, this uh, perpetrator was not caught. 12 years later, through the advancements of, uh, the DNA advancements, uh, he was caught and he was caught do attempting, um, to kill somebody else. Uh, and, and he was acting as a, uh, taxi driver in the exact same area of the attack some 12 years later. Um, and, uh, thankfully he, he was brought to justice, uh, a trial took place, which went on for some years like four years uh, and then he was basically put away pretty much for life uh he'll come up for parole when he's a really old man and hopefully we'll keep him there but it was along this the time of the trial when uh, for obvious reasons sort of 
the family kind of having to now relive all of these things and and you know trials are tough they're tough um even though this guy was being brought to justice it's it's not easy to now be on the stand and have to relive all these things and um so it was one night when i was talking to my dad and i and i sort of just had this thought of what if there was this underground service um uh, provided for family members of crime victims and they were they were offered one minute alone i just sort of had this quick idea i jotted it down and for whatever reason the title the retaliators just kind of came right there and then uh sometime later jeff found that log line and and said you know hey let's you know i i love this let's let's take a look at this and very quickly we came up with the idea of, you know, if we were going to play with this morality, um, you know, stretch out this, this kind of moral question, what more perfect person to put in that situation than a turn the other cheek style pastor. So all that kind of came about. And then um, uh, we didn't know if we were going to go all the way with making this into a movie. It just sort of kind of started writing itself and then right around that time our sister actually approached uh us and said hey I really want to get my story out and she started to do some press um she's and you know she ended up having even though she had years of very difficult PTSD to get through um she came out of the other side living a very successful happy healthy life she she is now one of the few female fire captains in the uh, entire united states she's she's just an awesome kick-ass person and she really wanted to get her story out for people who had to struggle through ptsd and there's so many temptations to go down paths that are not ultimately the best and she just really wanted to be um kind of you know a positive story out there in the world and so she was asking do we know any people in the documentary space we looked into it couldn't find anybody we didn't really know anybody in the documentary space and then one day i said hey i know this might sound kind of crazy we have this script idea it's not your story exactly but it's inspired by it and how do you you know what do you think about that and she gave us the full she said do it. I, I don't care how I get my story out. Um, if it's through, if you're able to get a, this movie made, written and made, and and you can, you know, get my name out there, get my story out there, that's all I care about. So go for it. And, you know, just, you know, have fun with it, do your thing. I don't care. And so it really sort of enabled us to go, okay, uh, and and really go for it. And so the cool thing is coming now full circle, we've now shared Q&A stages with Jody and uh, Jody's been interviewed and we've we've had the, uh, the fortune, just like with you right now, we've had the fortune of being able to tell her story um, many times in interviews now. And so it feels really great. It's a very triumphant moment um, where we where we were able to take it's just uh, something horrific, but use art um, to channel healing and, and have a cathartic uh, experience, which we 
we it's what the movie essentially is it's what especially the third act of the movie is um and then it's definitely what we have got to experience making it wow that what a, a miraculous story and you know i'm i'm glad that um you know her uh the, the guy was brought to justice, obviously. Um, yeah, and I could really tell this was a, a personal story. So I'm not surprised uh, to hear that after watching this movie. Um, mm. So I got to ask, um, obviously you guys wrote it, um, right. but did you, did you ever consider uh, directing with, you know, such a personal tie t to the story? Probably, no, not really. No. Um, yeah, no, I don't think we ever considered directing it just because, I mean, we, we've never really directed anything except for like home movies of ourselves you know little <laughs> things like that and plus the way that it, it the way that the whole process started really I mean we wrote the script and um uh, immediately sent it over to our uh one of Darren's good friends at the time I I had I wasn't really friends with him yet but he's since become a really good friend and that's the lead of the movie Michael Lombardi and uh Darren immediately sent it to him and was like hey you know check this out see if you like it whatever i you know there was no real pretension of him really doing anything with it but he within three days he was on a plane here going guys i have to this movie i'm gonna get this movie made for you guys i don't know how he had a little plan right at that point but it was just like <laughs> i'm gonna get this made and I'm, I'm gonna be bishop and me and darren were like hell yeah you know what i mean so um and what was crazy, and I, I think in those i think in those early days we yeah. would have loved we would have loved to have directed it oh yeah um, yeah yeah and, we th and, That's and, kind and of, it was yeah. the movie was like this big when we yeah. started and yeah. then it and very much thanks to michael and how much work he did into getting it made it just got bigger and bigger and bigger uh kind yeah. of in front of our eyes and so yeah it just it was never really um i guess i guess the answer was we never really, we, we really never imagined it would get made. Right. Uh, let That's alone, kind of what um, I was, you know, yeah. It, we didn't sort of write it and go, okay, we're going to direct this. Now let's go get the money. <laughs> it was very much like, right. okay, we wrote it. We wrote our, our first script. Let's see what, what kind of nibbles we can get let's, when we put it out there. Let's see what it does. And yeah, yeah, it was yeah. very, uh, it was really and, and fortuitous. Thanks, yeah. Yeah. And, and thanks, thanks to Michael and Better Noise. They were so respectful of us as writers and of the oh script God, yeah. that we, you know, we had um, meaningful consultation the whole time. We were involved. We were on set. Any reshoot we wrote, any scene that needed, you know, especially because we shot through COVID. So we had uh, as many obstacles in production as you could possibly imagine. It's why we have multiple directors um that's why we shot on two coasts you know we shot on the east coast we shot on the west coast it was a adventure all in and of itself the production and we were there uh the whole time uh in post-production so we got an we we had an unbelievable amount of creative uh input and 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 freedom to really you know and that's and that's a huge Shout out to Michael Lombardi, also to Alan Kovac at Better Noise, because he just uh, he really understood the human heartbeat of the story. It was important to him that it was an artistic vision. Uh, we do some kind of 
crazy things in the movie and take some chances and and not everybody gets that and 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 when you're doing something that's a little new you know you get people going well wait a minute let's uh, if it's we're going to do a horror movie let's just make it horror or if it's going to be a thriller let's just do a straight thriller and we really wanted to make a movie where you felt like you were on a certain journey and it you just take a hard left turn and now you're in a just new place yeah uh well so i gotta say one interesting aspect of the film uh is the amount of cameos from musicians as well as the pretty impressive star power you guys got uh for the soundtrack so can you guys talk a little bit about how that all came to be yeah we um michael um yeah basically michael got in touch with alan kovac he had worked with him already on uh, snow babies and um which was a, a prior film directed by uh, Bridget Smith. And, and also Michael started, you know, he was one of the lead actors in that. And he knew that Alan wanted to really get into making movies and wanted to, you know, include his bands in it in some way, you know, soundtrack or whatever. And, you know, very early on the impression, the feedback we were getting back from the script from, nearly everybody was this is a me like metal as fuck this this script you know i mean I, that was literally like a quote from somebody we had sent it to in um at another company just kind of you know trying to pique their interest too and it so we knew it, it it lent itself to that and when alan when it got to alan's table he was like yeah this is metal as fuck and guess what we have here lots of metal bands and we can incorporate them and, um, you know, I, it was, it was really weird because yeah, I did feel like it was part of the DNA of the film, but we never dreamed that we get something like that. We were, you know, our head was like, okay, we'll never get like actual like needle drops or anything like that. We'll never afford that. You know, let's just focus on trying to get good composers for the score. So it, was, it felt like a real treat. It was like, wow, Alan not only wants to help get this movie made, but he wants to, you know, incorporate all the, you know, the, 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 the band, the fantastic bands that he, uh, his company manages. So yeah, that's kind of how it uh, more or less came together in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. If you, <clears throat> if you had told me, well, if you told 12 year old me, uh, it would have been one, uh, one insane uh, thing to do. Uh, but even just <laughs> tell it, if you told me a few years ago that Motley Crue would be, um, playing uh you know our theme song and nick nicky right. six would write our theme song i mean i just there isn't enough uh you you i mean there's nothing not enough you could do to convince me that that would actually happen yeah especially because you know i, I we're just such fans of that era of you know 80s 90s films where you know the soundtrack was a big part of the release of the film like it was the you know whether the crow or lost boys or Dream warriors um yeah, you know, I mean, just there's so many, so many great examples and those that era is kind of gone. You don't really see that uh, yeah. anymore where the soundtrack is really integrated. Um, and so that alone was just beyond exciting. And then the cameos piece was, boy, uh, they just all brought it. You know, they oh, yeah. the idea was, you know, is, is there roles in the film for 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 the for any of the bands? And we really carefully curated it. And Michael was a huge piece of that and met with every band member. We got on the phone 
with with uh, with the talent. We we talk to them. Michael's such a he's just such a uh, he he knows acting upside down. You look at his performance in this movie, you, you'll see that. Um, and so he was incredibly helpful. Um, and the guy and the band members, uh, guys and girls, they just brought it. They just did such a good job, and yeah. we uh, we were so happy to see. And you know, some of the roles just fit perfectly, and there was right. no, you know, we, we, Tommy. We had a strip club DJ. It's like, okay, well, t- uh, come on, uh, Tommy Lee. It's going to be <laughs> the easiest cameo in the world to imagine. And then right. Five Finger Death Punch looked like a motorcycle gang. I mean, they just, right. that's what they look like. And it, they, you know, we didn't really have to do too much with the wardrobe. That was their look. And they just looked it like immediately, but we really put the time in uh, to curate all that. And uh, you know, but like Jacoby Shaddix, when, when he got that part and that's a, when you see the movie, it's a pretty, <clears throat> it's a small part in in lines but it's a very crucial part of the movie and it's a arguably well there's some dark characters in this movie for sure uh, one of the darkest uh, if not the darkest uh, most evil of all of the evil in the movie and he just completely nailed it and did such a good job and uh, you know, it's it's uh, what I'm so proud of is we've gotten it, we knew going in. We said a lot of people are going to think this is a vanity project, um, and that's okay because I don't ever mind being underestimated. And and I just I feel very proud knowing if you go into the movie open mind, and and if you didn't know who these any of those uh, you know musicians were, I, I don't I don't I think they would just blend in like they like it was the cast of any film. Yeah. And, and and if I could add too, you know, what was crazy was, so we really got our cake. We, we got to have our cake and eat it too, because not only did we get the metal aspect of the movie sort of, you know, you know, uh, brought onto the soundtrack and then also the performances that were incredible from the uh, people from the bands, but we also got the stranger things composers to do the original score for the film, which, you know, I, I so I mean that was really I, my where I think we struck you know, the you know, gold so to speak you know creative gold was getting to have both of those things you know what I mean it wasn't just yeah. a metal driven soundtrack but also we got this I mean th- those guys, um, the the Stranger Things composers I mean they're they're just unreal so yeah. that was that was one of the craziest moments was when I'll never forget Michael and Barty we were on the phone. He said, who is your dream composer for the film? Like the app, your absolute dream. And I said, well, Tiny Tim. Know, t- uh, besides Tiny Tim, um, you know, uh, Tangerine Dream, John Carpenter, 70s, uh, late 70s, early 80s, John Carpenter, early 80s, Tangerine Dream. Uh, early 80s Vangelis since that's not possible right since we're not in a time machine the only choice would be Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein of Stranger Things because they 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 have tapped into that but then they do their own thing you know and they really do that I feel like in, in the film it's a very um 
it's a it's a subtle score you know it's not a score where you feel like oh i'm just <clears throat> hearing a straight up imitation of 1988 just synth um you know just a just an overbearing synth score which i love overbearing synth scores and that's i mean we wrote we write to that and it's very you know i'm i'm a huge geek for um a, a lot of instrumental and 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 you know 70s 80s scores and 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 those artists but they the, the fact that we got them when we got them when they saw the early cut of the film and wanted to do it i mean i, I couldn't i just truly still can't believe it honestly uh it and was just I, truly a dream come true and another good thing about them too which is great is how much they surprised us we were it was a uh, there was a cut of the film they were working with to put music over <laughs> And I remember Darren calls me and he's like, dude, get over here. You have to see this. You're going to lose your fucking mind. And I was like, all right, all right. So I get over, we're watching a, a cut of the, the the third act of the film and seeing what kind of score they're laying over. And when it gets to the, basically the climax of the film, they inserted a score of a Christmas song. Like, but, but like oh, their style. Oh, holy night. Oh, holy, oh, holy night. night. And o was, over a scene without giving it away that has to do with an eyeball. There's an yeah. eyeball in the scene. And I me and I mean, I, Darren, I remember you were saying, like, just tell like, give me your first impression. I'm not going to influence you on whether you like it or not. And I was like, dude, I fucking love this. This is there's some there's something so magical about that. And yeah, I think that that was probably like my favorite thing that they did because it was just so unexpected and then worked so well with the whole Christmas theme of the, the movie, the, also the religious, you know, Christian uh, thing with uh, the pastor and stuff. So yeah, it was just uh, it was a real treat. They brought a lot. Well, to the oh, absolutely. And speaking, you guys talked about, uh, you know, hitting sort of gold with uh, the score and everything. I also think you guys hit uh, gold on some of this acting here in this movie, because I think especially the chemistry between um, our two leads, uh, Michael Lombardi, who plays Bishop, of course, and uh, Mark Menchaca, if I'm saying his name right, who plays Jed. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. He, to me, he was the standout of the whole. I absolutely loved his character. He was the the big standout of the movie for me. But the two of them together, uh, absolutely great chemistry. Um, so, can you talk about your cast? Yeah, we we uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. That there was when we went out to the set. Um, and we, we went, you know, we flew out to the East Coast. Watching it in person, we just were pinching our, we were pinching each other under the table, just going, what the fuck? Like the performance, yeah. like writing that, writing our, the dialogue we wrote and the way when we write dialogue, we act it out. We, we spend months acting it out, doing our, uh, you know, the, whatever voices we're hearing and so to then watch, because we got to sit and watch them do some huge scenes together, um, Mark Menchaca and, and Michael Lombardi, and it was just a masterclass. You know, they just were so in it and amazing, and we could see it. Even we were right there with no editing, with no, uh, you know, just wow, that this movie is coming to life in such a way. Uh, when you have acting at that level, it, it just, it, it's, uh, it really is the best, um, it's the best thing you can ask for as a writer is really 
and I, and I grew up as an actor. I, I, I was an actor for years. I, I have acting experience. Seeing it from this angle was a whole, I have a, just an entirely different and new appreciation for what uh, great actors really bring to a piece. So yeah, no, I, I appreciate hearing that. Um, they, they, the actors in our film were nominated and won acting awards at non-genre film festivals. Right. Um, and genre festivals as well, but also, I mean, Michael won two acting awards, both at non-genre film festivals. Um, and, you know, uh, it was incredible. But one thing I want to add, a little tidbit, because I, I just thought it, 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 for whatever reason, just made the experience that much cooler. What I And what I really made me appreciate their talent, there's this really dramatic scene in the movie it's the scene in the movie where, uh, well, it's just one of the very dramatic scenes between the two of them. There's huge shifts in the story happening at this point. And the director would say cut and without even skipping a beat from this insanely intense moment, they would then break into acting like they were trying to kiss each other and goofing around and being completely silly and singing together like and then it, by the time the like the set would get changed, then it was like then they're back on so there was none of this like brooding in the corner um uh <clears throat> you know in character stuff going on it was you know and it really made me just go wow these guys just are that good that they are able to be loose and have fun and it you know it really made the set just really enjoyable and and uh they were just such a pleasure to just hang around and work with and yeah they were it was incredible another thing about the cast uh, about the uh cast that it was really fun to watch was you know when you're writing a film we have different voices in our heads you know what i mean and because me and darren we act a lot of stuff out we find the voice through that and um, you know, everybody that was brought on, you know, they brought something unique to it, making it their own and Im ultimately improving it. You know what I mean? That's, that's the thing that you could, that's the best thing you could hope for. You know what I mean? Each really each actor that took the lines, I felt like made it the writing better, you know? Um, but I, I have to say, um, oh, and each one was a surprise, you know what I mean? It's, it, that's what was really fun about it. But the one that sounded just like the one we had in our head was Jed. And I remember when we found Jed, it's it like right when we heard him, me and Darren were going like, that. that's the voice. That's exactly, you know. That was the voice book. we were imitating. We were imitating that without knowing yeah. Chaka would be the role. That was literally yeah. the voice we would and so when we heard him talk the first time, yeah, we, we, <laughs> saw, we saw a clip from Ozark. Yeah. And we just went, oh, my God, that is Jed. That's the voice we've been hearing. for. So yep. it was eerie. That was yeah. eerie. It was cool. That's awesome. Um, so uh, also, um, you know, there's let's talk a little bit about the gore. I mean, there's some pretty yeah. there's some pretty solid gore in this movie. Gorehounds will not be disappointed. Um, you know, this movie takes a, a turn. I think a lot of people aren't going to see coming. Um, and when you get there, it's a it's a definitely a, a holy shit moment. And I, I guess my question here is, 
is there anything you guys had written that was maybe a little too depraved that didn't make it on uh, the screen? Is there? You know what? I, I I absolutely love you for asking. This is the you're, you're the first, first person one. we right. first one. We we talked about the gore a lot. Yeah, we volunteer that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we 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 get asked about the gore a lot. We always love talking about it. We're huge gore fans. Uh, the you are asking what is so funny because yes, we we laugh about it all the time. We're like, I can't believe people think this third act is this batshit because it's about half as depraved and I got, <laughs> as what I, we. Dare not we, the, but the, the one that Jeff always reminds me, we always laugh about it. There was a moment where yeah. there's a, uh, without giving stuff away, there, there are, let's say the a, villain, there, let's there's a couple say, of people yeah. there. I'll just say it like this. There's a couple of people that get killed. They're victims uh, in the beginning and, it, and towards the end of the film. And there was a, in the script, uh, we see uh, the bad guy ended up confiscating the motorcycle that ends up getting, it gets broken out and then it gets taken over. And that's just and in the script. That didn't make it to the In the film. script, yeah. in the script. And and then when we see him, the heads of the two people are mounted on the, the, uh, the, <laughs> Handle the handlebars of the motorcycle <laughs> as he rolls up. And we were, when we wrote that, we're like, oh, this is fucking badass. This is just fun. And then, of course, you know, as it came time for production, people were going, yeah, I don't know about the two heads on the. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, well, what do you mean? What, what, come on, and, how, bad, let, how badass is that? And let's not. And we also had, there was one other really cool piece that we never got to use, which was. Um, it was basically, I wouldn't give it away. I wouldn't give away the. Are you going to give away the weapon? I was going to give away the weapon. I wouldn't do that because I. I, I want to bring it out for two. I want to bring it out for two. <laughs> if we okay, get to so make I, a two, I want to. I want to bring that weapon out. There's a we weapon. Created a, we created a yeah. weapon. We went to a friend and built a prototype of the weapon because we were so excited about it the weapon did not make it into the movie yeah sadly um, yeah yeah but, yeah, but we'll, we'll try to get it in too yeah. well i just heard you say two so is is there plans for a part two have you guys already started writing we we have two completely outlined uh and ready to go so if we end up i hope we do it too i i, I hope we do we got to we, we've got to get the people got to continue to go out. We're doing really well on VOD right now. We got to keep doing well. Um, I think if we stay on this path, then yeah, we're, we're headed to it too. That's what we uh, hope for, but yeah, we're definitely, uh, it's not written, written, but it's, we, we pretty much have the whole movie totally outlined at this point. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we definitely want to see that for sure. Oh, um, yeah. you know, what else? I mean, what else do you guys have going on uh, for the future? Do you have more? I mean, do you do you want do you want to see like a franchise out of this where you got multiple movies or do you want to move on to something else? What do you guys have? What are you guys thinking? Yeah, I would. Yeah, say I mean, we, we, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, look, we're I mean, if the, if the audiences want it we will bring it you know what i mean uh, yeah. the franchise uh turning this into a franchise but you know you take that one day by day you know and um but obviously if we had the opportunity we, we have no qualms about revisiting that world and it, because we the truth is we had a lot yeah. of ideas for it 
that it we was, were like we we created a big huge, universe. It was yeah, there were there's a real big universe behind kind of looming behind the story that we could always tap into and go, okay, let's go there. We wanted to go there, but it didn't work in the confines of a of a, of a you know we already have a lot of stuff in the film you know <laughs> so you know we had to kind of all the stuff we've skimmed we can totally we want to use and, and we will use if we have the opportunity uh but yeah we're also focusing on other projects you know we uh we've we're you know three other script uh we've got three other scripts done um that we're really excited about and um yeah we're just we're really looking forward to moving on those and uh you know whatever comes next are they all horror based yeah well you know they're all crime based i think okay. i would say the through line is exploitation and and uh the criminal underworld in some way so we're look if you're looking for depravity we will deliver okay if you're looking for gore, <laughs> we will deliver okay we're, we, we're not yeah, short we, on fucked up shit okay so you're gonna if, if, if that's what you want we, we're gonna bring it but uh <laughs> jeff, jeff jeff and i are are we are lifelong exploitation fans uh and and you know action horror so everything yeah everything we're writing is definitely got it's got gore it's got action it's got you know a lot of yeah, criminal underworld kind of stuff. And then the horror threads are kind of in and out because Retaliators isn't straight up horror, but the no. homages are there. You know, we have right. a lot of homages. We're huge horror fans. But yeah, it definitely, um, we're, we're, we're it's it's somewhere in that realm of, of sort of like action thriller, horror, crime kind of thing. You know, that's yeah. really... Yeah, I would say we have scripts that are actually more horror than the retaliators, and then some that are less so, but they're but they right. all have that exploitation action through line, you know. Well, that that's awesome, guys. Um, you know, I can totally tell the the passion just oozing off you guys, and I am so excited to see what you guys come up with next. And I'm sure, you know, all of our listeners, if you haven't checked out the retaliators yet, you can obviously check it out on VOD. Um, so definitely go and check that out. Darren, I got one last question for you, and it's totally off the cuff. Um, but I was going through your IMDb, and we, I'm sure you've gotten this question. Um, we recently, it's so funny, because I have to ask this, because we literally just did an event um, two weeks ago with Omri Katz from Hocus Pocus. And going through your IMDb, I saw you were uncredited as a night child in Hocus Pocus. So I just kind of want to hear a little bit about that story. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, I was very young. I was, I, I gotta remember, I, I want to say I was maybe 12, I think. Um, and I, the role I had was for an ending that was shot, but was not actually uh, the ending in the film. So, you know, and I, it's funny, Jeff was laughing because I've been getting asked this lately and I'm I re really realizing I, I've got to prepare <laughs> and sort of <laughs> dig out the old script or, or something because I barely remember what it was, but I remember I was, a, I was a kid, I was in pajamas and I was like a zombified or I was in a trance or something and I had some scenes with like a girl and you know, it was so for my experience, it was I got to be on that set for like two and a half weeks and uh, 
the director uh, was was a super cool, super cool guy. Uh, the cast was really nice. Everybody was very sweet. And we were in, you know, it was a huge Disney soundstage. It, it felt like I was in, you know, it felt like I was in this Disneyland ride. I mean, it was just very crazy to see, a, uh, you know, that size of a soundstage and a whole town built. I mean, the, all of that was built on a soundstage, the, pretty much the whole, the, all of the setting of, of, of the film. And it was all in one. So it was really detailed and crazy. So like when you'd walk around, it was truly like you were just in another world. And, you know, I was going to school on the set and all of that. And um, and it was a funny experience because I took my whole family to the movie on uh, the opening uh, weekend. And we're sitting there going, where's the, here comes the big scene. And then totally different ending. So I'm there, like, you got to like go, oh, uh, he's standing, oh, there I am. I'm, I'm right there. It's, you know, I'm one of the kids basically in the town. Um, but yeah, so that's, it's it's not the greatest story. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's still pretty cool. Um, I got to ask, I mean, so you got some acting chops. I mean, did you consider maybe getting in on uh, this movie or maybe in the sequel? You know, what's funny is I it literally did not pass through my mind for one second, really, with with uh, the retaliators, just because um, I don't know why other than writing has become a, a true passion and love that I just uh, I, I I just never imagined would be so uh all consuming you know i just i love writing i'm constantly writing jeff and i are constantly writing and creating so it's funny i've thought about it and gone you know if the if it was the right you know role and it made sense sure i always i have a bit of a i'm not a big fan when 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 i when it feels like obvious that a writer or director is sort of putting themselves in a role that would otherwise not be right so it would have to really be right if it was the right role and it didn't distract or anything then yeah I would love to I, mean, I love acting uh as Jeff said we really act out every scene over right. and over and over again we do this uh so it, it's I feel like the muscles are still working but yeah the 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 passion and drive has definitely gone towards the uh you know writing and creating and all of that and if I could add, eventually, eventually direct him. Yeah. And if I could add just two things, well, one, uh, firstly, I'm much more promiscuous. If they, uh, <laughs> do you guys hand me a roll? I'll be like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> the two, um, we actually have a cameo in the film. We do, but it is so <laughs> subtle. I mean, you have to, it's I like my hocus pocus. It's like my hocus pocus. I'd have to point see? it out. I'd yeah. have to point it out, but it, once you see it, you'd be laughing. You'd be like, "Oh, I can totally see Darren in that," I, or "I can totally see Jeff in that." So it's we're in fun. the bar. We're in the bar right behind uh, Robert Burke when he's when he's sitting with Mark Winchaka and he's telling that he's doing that whole speech. We're at the table right behind him, literally high uh, as naturally high as I think we've ever oh, been because yeah. we were sitting there listening to them act out the, the scene and we were that was where we were just kicking each other under the table and in between takes just being like holy shit you know this is so cool you know so yeah we were 
we're geeking out right behind uh, Robert Burke and uh, Mark Menchaca in the movie, but you got to look, we're, we're, we're yeah. right there. It's, it's like my Hocus Pocus thing. They, well, they had a, yeah, exactly. Cause they had a shot of us that was like right in front of the camera for a brief moment, but that ended up getting cut. So we were like, all right, yeah. we'll take, we'll take the background. <laughs> well, maybe uh, well, now for those who haven't seen it, keep an eye out for obviously Darren and Jeff. Um, yeah, but, uh, guys, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Is there anything else? Is there, uh, you know, you guys get social medias or anything else you'd like to plug before I let you go? Yeah, it's the, uh, the underscore gear underscore brothers, um, for Instagram. So we're on there pretty active sharing a lot of stuff and we're, uh, at gear brothers on Twitter. All right. Awesome. And everyone, make sure you go check one last time. Go and check out The Retaliators, now available, VOD. Go show some love. Support indie horror. Thank you, guys.